O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, September 21. The Feast of Tabernacles is upon us. This year, the Feast of Tabernacles falls on September 23rd through September 30th. I hope and pray you will join with your local fellowship group to keep this beautiful feast of the Lord. We have been on a spiritual journey. It began with Passover, with our leaving the world, the world system, and coming out of the bondage of slavery to sin. We began a journey of following Yeshua and His Torah. Passover is a picture of salvation. We are saved by faith through grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. In His mercy and loving kindness, Yeshua took all the penalty of him, of sin upon Himself in dying on the tree. Similarly, Yeshua in His mercy remembered the covenant He made with Abraham and raised up Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of their bondage and slavery. When they put the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, they were demonstrating faith and trust that the God of Israel would deliver them. This is a picture of salvation, thus beginning the spiritual journey. Next, we come to Mount Sinai at the time of Shavuot, or Pentecost. It was there that Yeshua makes a wedding proposal to them and us. Here, He tells us that if we will hear His voice and keep His commands, then I will make you to be a peculiar treasure, a set-apart people. Exodus 19.5 The Ten Commandments in all of Torah is the Ketubah, the Marriage Covenant Agreement. The house of Jacob, Yeshua's covenant family, said, I do, or yes, to the marriage proposal. Exodus 19.8 Sadly, it did not take long for them to break the covenant as they fell into spiritual adultery with the golden calf incident. Later, the golden calf incident happens again when Jeroboam leads a rebellion, spearheads a kingdom split, and leads the northern kingdom into golden calf worship again. 1 Kings 12 We continue the spiritual journey through the fall feasts of Yom Teruah, the Days of Awe, a time of the awakening blast, a time and a call to examine ourselves and to repent for both personal and national sins, a time for the bride to prepare herself for the bridegroom. Then we came to Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. The gate of heaven is now closed, court is in session, and judgment is rendered from heaven. If we stand under the blood of Yeshua with a new heart, a heart of flesh, where the Torah is being written upon it, and we are seeking to follow Him and His Torah by the power of the Holy Spirit, then our name is found in the Book of Life. And now we arrive at Sukkot in our journey, 
Sukkot is related and connected to completing the task and finishing the journey, where ultimately Yeshua will tabernacle with his people in Jerusalem. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Sukkot is a seven-day festival, as it is written in Leviticus 23, 39, and 40. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Sukkot is associated with the cloud of glory, as it is written in Exodus 13.21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. In keeping Passover we put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of our heart. This is salvation. Then, in coming to Mount Sinai, Yeshua said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If we do this, then we enter into a marriage covenant with him, and we get to dwell with and sukkot with Yeshua at Mount Zion, or Jerusalem, when he returns to rule and reign during the Messianic era. Sukkot is associated with the cloud of glory being present. The tabernacle is the place of dwelling where the glory of the Lord resides and rests. The glory of the Lord is a consuming fire. During the millennial reign of Yeshua, all nations will be required to send a representative to Jerusalem to keep Sukkot, as it is written in Zechariah 14:16 and 17. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, Yahweh Savayot, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion for Feast of Tabernacles. Numbers 29, 17-25 On the second day of this seven-day festival, sacrifice twelve young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. On the third day of the festival, sacrifice eleven young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. 
On the fourth day of the festival, sacrifice ten young bulls, two rams, and fourteen one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. Each of these offerings of bulls, rams, and lambs must be accompanied by its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering. You must also sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering in addition to the regular burnt offering with its accompanying grain offering and liquid offering. Isaiah 37, 1 to 38, 22. When King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes and put on burlap and went into the temple of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and the leading priests, all dressed in burlap, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. They told him, This is what King Hezekiah says. Today is a day of trouble, insults, and disgrace. It is like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver the baby. But perhaps the Lord your God has heard the Assyrian chief of staff sent by the king to defy the living God and will punish him for his words. Oh, pray for those of us who are left. After King Hezekiah's officials delivered the king's message to Isaiah, the prophet replied, Say to your master, This is what the Lord says. Do not be disturbed by this blasphemous speech against me from the Assyrian king's messengers. Listen, I myself will move against him, and the king will receive a message that he is needed at home. So he will return to his land, where I will have him killed with a sword. Meanwhile, the Assyrian chief of staff left Jerusalem and went to consult the king of Assyria, who had left Lachish and was also attacking Libna. Soon afterward, King Sennacherib received word that King Tarhaka of Ethiopia was leading an army to fight against him. Before leaving to meet the attack, he sent messengers back to Hezekiah in Jerusalem with this message. This message is for King Hezekiah of Judah. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them, such nations as Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden, who were in Tel Asar? My predecessors destroyed them all. What happened to the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of Sepharvaim, Hina, and Eva? After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Savaiot, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim, You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations, and they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all, 
only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you prayed about King Sennacherib of Assyria, the Lord has spoken this word against him. The virgin daughter of Zion despises you and laughs at you. The daughter of Jerusalem shakes her head in derision as you flee. Whom have you been defying and ridiculing? Against whom did you raise your voice? At whom did you look with such haughty eyes? It was the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have defiled the Lord. You have said, With my many chariots I have conquered the highest mountains, yes, the remotest peaks of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars and its finest cypress trees. I have reached its farthest heights and explored its deepest forests. I have dug wells in many foreign lands and refreshed myself with their water. With the sole of my foot I stopped up all the rivers of Egypt. But have you not heard? I decided this long ago. Long ago I planned it, and now I am making it happen. I planned for you to crush fortified cities into heaps of rubble. That is why their people have so little power, and are so frightened and confused. They are as weak as grass, as easily trampled as tender green shoots. They are like grass sprouting on a housetop, scorched before it can grow lush and tall. But I know you well, where you stay and when you come and go. I know the way you have raged against me, and because of your raging against me and your arrogance, which I have heard for myself, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will make you return by the same road on which you came. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Here is the proof that what I say is true. This year you will eat only what grows up by itself, and next year you will eat what springs up from that. But in the third year you will plant crops and harvest them. You will tend vineyards and eat their fruit. And you who are left in Judah, who have escaped the ravages of the siege, will put roots down in your own soil and grow up and flourish. For a remnant of my people will spread out from Jerusalem, a group of survivors from Mount Zion. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march outside its gates with their shields, nor build banks of earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country by the same road on which he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord. For my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. 
One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with their swords. They then escaped to the land of Ararat, and another son, Esarhaddon, became the next king of Assyria. About that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. And this is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. I will cause the sun's shadow to move ten steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. So the shadow on the sundial moved backward ten steps. When King Hezekiah was well again, he wrote this poem. I said in the prime of my life, must I now enter the place of the dead? Am I to be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, Never again will I see the Lord God, while still in the land of the living. Never again will I see my friends, or be with those who live in this world. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. It has been cut short, as when a weaver cuts cloth from a loom. Suddenly my life was over. I waited patiently all night, but I was torn apart as though by lions. Suddenly, my life was over. Delirious, I chatted like a swallow or a crane, and then I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew tired of looking to heaven for help. I am in trouble, Lord. Help me. But what could I say? For he himself sent this sickness. Now I will walk humbly throughout my years because of this anguish I have felt. Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all my sins. For the dead cannot praise you, they cannot raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next generation. Think of it. The Lord is ready to heal me. I will sing his praises with instruments every day of my life in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said to Hezekiah's servant, Make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil, and Hezekiah will recover. And Hezekiah had asked, What sign will prove that I will go to the temple of the Lord. Galatians 6, 1-18 
Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all things, good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Yeshua. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach be with your spirit. Amen. Psalm 65, 1-13 What mighty praise, O Yahweh, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you, though we are overwhelmed by our sins. You forgive them all. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What festivities await us inside your holy temple. You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with mighty strength. You quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. You take care of the earth 
and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain. For you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless its abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture, and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep, and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Proverbs 23-24 The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. I'd like to speak to you today from Isaiah chapter 37 and 38. And truly Hezekiah was an extraordinary man who lived in an extraordinary time. And there are two really significant events that happen in his life that are covered in what we read today. First, we have the Assyrians coming up against the city of Jerusalem, and basically they are speaking words to dis- discourage the people and to basically, it's like a psyop. They're saying all kinds of negativity. Don't trust in God. Don't trust in your king. We've conquered every other city we've come to. You would be foolish to trust in the Lord. You're going to fall. You might as well surrender now and give up. Zanacherib instructs them to say nothing. And then the letter, the messenger, brings a letter to King Sennacherib. And... This is what Hezekiah does. He receives the letter, he reads it, and then he went up to the Lord's temple and he spread it out before the Lord, and then he prayed. Hezekiah is a man of prayer. Hezekiah is a man who trusts in the Lord his God, and he calls upon the Lord as Yahweh Saviot, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the army. And he says, In chapter 37, starting in verse 16, O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Yahweh, and listen. Open your eyes, O Yahweh, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. So basically, he spreads out the letter before the Lord, goes to the temple, and says, What say you, Lord? What say you, Yahweh, about these words of defiance and rebellion? He brings his crisis straight to the Lord. You know, I'm thinking of a parallel situation that many of us are facing around the world, and especially right now in the United States, that we can do a similar action. So recently, at the time of this recording, uh, Biden made a new edict. 
and the new edict is all private sector companies that have 100 employees or more must mandate that their employees get the jab. This is completely illegal and unconstitutional and, in fact, quite tyrannical. It is a tyrannical edict. And so, many employers, people who run businesses, Walmart and mom-and-pop stores and all kinds of privately owned businesses are having to make decisions about whether they're going to comply or not. And this is actually a time where we can lay the edict before the Lord and say, God, this is what this man is dictating to us. And many people would be conscientious objectors in my company that I run because there are aborted fetal cells in the vaccine. And for that reason alone, that would be reason enough to not take it. But there are also many other reasons not to because it's really not a vaccine. It's experimental. It's a drug or a medicine with mRNA in it designed to change your DNA permanently, designed to override your natural immune system and to cause or to program your body to create spike proteins. And the spike proteins are what make people sick with all kinds of symptoms, inflammation, microbleeding, inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, carditis, sterility in women, heart attacks, stroke, death, all kinds of issues with these jabs. So this is perhaps a time for us to spread this edict out before the Lord and say, what say you, Abba? It is much worse in other places like the UK, Australia, much worse. Green passports are required that if you want to be able to do anything in the social arena, go to a football game, go shopping, be out in the public square, you have to show a green passport showing that you have taken the jab. And if you haven't taken the jab, you won't be able to participate in public life. Perhaps this is time to do just as Hezekiah did, to lay the edict out before the Lord and to cry out to him and say, What say you, Father? I do not want to defile my temple, my body, that is the, that houses the Holy Spirit. What say you? Now, another event that happens in Hezekiah's life, well, let me finish the story. Of course, as you know, as we read today, the Lord sent an angel into the enemy's camp and uh, 185,000 of the soldiers, the Assyrian soldiers, were killed during the night by the angel. And when they w- woke up in the morning, they turned tail and ran, went home. God fought the battle for them. So now, later on in Hezekiah's life, he becomes very, very ill. Isaiah comes to bring him the bad news. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. And again, what does Hezekiah do? He's a man of prayer. 
He has a dependency upon the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. So his very first response, not his last response, his first response is he prays. He turns to the Lord and he prays. He says, remember, O Lord. This is from chapter 36, verse 3. Remember, O Yahweh, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. Wow! What an amazing answer to prayer. I don't know why sometimes people become very ill with cancer or diabetes or some other kind of an illness, and we pray prayers of faith and we intercede and we cry out on their behalf, and they don't get 15 more years, they die. I don't understand sometimes why that happens, but God is sovereign, He's in control, and um, I have to believe that He knows exactly what he's doing. But I tell you what, that was an amazing and a miraculous prayer. Hezekiah asked the Lord to extend his life. And, and, you know, he basically reminded him, I've been faithful to you. I've served you single-mindedly, and I always do what pleases you. And he broke down and he cried. And the Lord heard and took mercy upon him, showed mercy to him and extended his life by 15 more years. I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of faith. The faith of Hezekiah. The faith of Abraham. The faith of Moses. May we be people of faith and not fear. May we take our stand. And when an unlawful, illegal, and even an evil edict comes down, robbing us of our freedom and our liberty to choose and to decide for ourselves what we will and will not put into our bodies. May we have the faith to turn to the Lord, to pray and say, What say you, Father? I don't know about you, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I will not comply. Yevrekadonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseleka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 
24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.